Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm Sabu's Neck. And I am sick of looking for fucking food in Philadelphia. <laughs> Welcome to episode 133, November to Remember, 1994. The second annual November to Remember, and we didn't watch 93. No, did not. Sorry for stepping on your toes. We didn't. <laughs> Because there wasn't a commercially produced video of it yeah, anywhere. Yeah. And so, sometimes, sometimes we'd watch... I just can't find it. Sometimes we watch these fan cams and we're like, well... Yeah. I'm sure somebody's got did, a copy Did of we it. need to watch that? <laughs> we can't watch all the fan cams. No, definitely cannot. <laughs> but this is, like you said, the second November to Remember produced by ECW, but the first to be televised. It would take place on November 5th, 1994, from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. With an attendance of 1,000 people. They were all there. Maxed out. Hat guy, mm-hmm. hat guy's friends. Sign guy. <laughs> beer guy. <laughs> guitar player guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll talk more about him here in a minute. <laughs> yeah, I suppose we have to, don't we? <laughs> Who will, yeah, we always, we always wonder where Max Payne went. <laughs> yeah, you're one of the few. <laughs> Just curious. You know, what about a Max Payne PN News tag team? But we are back in Philly. Boy, are we ever. Motown Bailey back again. It was no, that no, 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 no. Oh, Yeah, that one hits on a couple of time. points. Yeah, got you. <laughs> sorry if you're listening to episodes back to back because we just made that joke. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's too good. It's fun. It's a good song. Well, you know, sometimes when you're in Philly, you have to do the same thing over again and over and over and over again just to see how many times you can try it different ways and find it mildly enjoyable. How many times can Rocco Rock jump to the floor, get a chair, <laughs> stick around, find out? That's right. But yeah, we are in Philly, and uh, that means that my quest for the week was trying to figure out what the fuck do we have in Philly that we haven't had yet. And the question is, or the answer is, nothing. So I brought some stuff that we've had already. I brought a Philly cheesesteak. Uh, I brought pizza. I don't believe we've had Philly-style pizza yet, if there is such a thing. But maybe this will be the Philly-style pizza. I imagine it's close I mean, to like sure a New York or a Philly, Jersey. Be like there's Philly-style pizza. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm going to have to uh, broaden my, my, my search and uh, see if I can find some of these hidden treasures. But this little deal here is kind of a hidden treasure. It's kind of a, <laughs> a, a food challenge candidate item for sure yeah. uh, it's um, a, an artery clogger definitely an artery clogger definitely a uh, a good thing that the area that this little item was created uh there are two popular hospitals nearby <laughs> um, this is known as the philly taco which is a uh, a philly cheesesteak with a slice of pizza wrapped around it it's as bready and cheesy and meaty as you can uh imagine Imagine. (laughs) Uh, apparently it was started in 2003 as an actual food challenge it seems like something that the the patrons of the 2300 arena 
um, would maybe go get after they drank too many beers yeah, that's, um, that's after a wrestling it. show where they're like, oh, you know what, Mike? You know what, guys? I got this this uh, hangover killer. Come with me and eat 5,000 yes. calories. Drink as much as you can and then eat one of these yeah. and it will soak up everything that you have in your entire body yeah. because it's just a big yeah. ball of bread. Taxi home, you'll forget what happened the night before or that you even <laughs> drank. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, uh, created in 2003 by Jeff Barg and Adam Gordon. The Philly Taco was intended as a challenge on South Street in Philadelphia. The location of the stores where challengers needed to buy the slice of pizza and then buy a cheese steak a block away and then assemble the dish themselves and uh, eat it. I so. wonder if both those places were owned by the same people. That'd be a smart idea. Or like two, totally two like a buddy that owns a restaurant. You're like, hey, I got this idea. We should put, <laughs> we should put this out on the internet. It's like Seinfeld, the uh, the Mayan stores where you know you've got Cinco de Mayo or Cinco de Mayan or something like that, but then they only the rival competition down the street. Where if you don't like this product, you can go over here and buy this one. But hey, you're still giving your money to the same people. Mm-hmm. I heard it's really good if you uh, you know take their chalupa and wrap it in their talk. <laughs> but yeah, we've got a uh, here. I, I was attempting to go to a place, a lo- Oklahoma City local place. But they ended up closing last minute, so we substituted a uh, Jersey Mike's Big Kahuna and then went to my friends over at Empire Pizza House and just got a slice of cheese pizza. I'm almost kind of wishing I would have got a slice of pepperoni just to tweak the flavor a little yeah, bit. But If I start snoring, it's because I ate half of it yes. and uh, used the other half as a pillow. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly how it sounds, a cheesesteak wrapped in a slice of pizza. I have to do my obligatory chew and eat into a microphone so here you go that's what you guys call it come all come here for right before no crunchy noises but there are good flavors in here it is a soft food a tasty soft food make sure you have something to drink if you uh try and recreate one of these because yeah if you blade after this you might not bleed because your blood turned (laughs) jello well while we're all enjoying these philly tacos Something that happened right around the same time. We already talked Motown Philly, but Boys to Men, their hit song, I'll Make Love to You, was in the midst of a 14-week run at number one. I mean, we all remember this song so well. This is one of the first CDs I ever owned as a small child. This song's probably a little much for a small kid, but I was little enough to not really realize how gnarly it was. It was still adorable if like a three-year-old was out there just belting away this song oh yes yeah. i mean boys to men and the 90s they go together better way better than a cheesesteak and a slice of pizza you wouldn't have had the 90s without boys to men i mean also it's the second like this the first album is the more of the new jack mm-hmm. vibe and then this one is like straight is ballads fun. all the way through yep. but there's so many good ones yep this was you know, Babyface got into their their corner and it was just one love ballad after another after another and they all went to number one and each one was better than the next one and speaking of that the reason they lost their 14 week run with i'll make love to you on bended knee went to number one yeah i'm in it i think my favorite is a kid off of the album uh which i think was one of the later singles off of boys to men 2 which water ones runs, runs dry you know yep. Shane. yeah that was uh that was a hell of a one to keep in the yep. back pocket as far as like singles go i think it may have been the last single but it was, they it was saved the best for last it's it such a good song and the video is so great they're all wearing like 
open shirt, like yeah. white linen, chilling at like White Sands, New Mexico. It's great. I went to, I, I got this CD when it first first came out, and that was the song that stood out to me. Like every song I loved, and then on, or on Bended Knee, uh, Water Runs Dry started playing, and that's when like the goosebumps started getting goosebumps on top of those goosebumps. <laughs> like, this is the one. And, this yeah, is the one. That's, that's, I kept saying, you know, I love. I'll make love to you, but this is a song that is going to be the biggest hit of this album. And each each one came, and each one was better. And then finally, water runs dry. Hit, and it's glorious. It's so um, good. Seeing them in concert, I went to this tour also, and watching them perform, water runs dry was awesome because they actually made it rain on oh, stage. Yeah. The that was pe- the first time I peak of them throwing money up. <laughs> yeah, the peak of their power. I was like seven or some shit. So I definitely didn't see see this. But my best friend's mom was a huge Boys to Men fan, and then you couldn't escape these songs on the radio either. No. You didn't want to. No. They're really they're <laughs> so yeah, they're just infectious. Like I feel like it holds up better than uh, some of the nineties R and B, which sometimes like the production's not as good or it might get like a little too cheesy, but like these guys are the like it's a barbershop quartet, but without the cheese it's like a different kind of cheese yeah yeah barber yeah. uh, quartet that's going to melt melt your heart they've got that show on netflix now this is pop uh the first episode is boys to men and it's might have to check that awesome. out a lot sometimes shows like that like back in the day we had towards the end of vh1 shows like that and now i guess shows like that are just vh1 or i mean netflix shows mm-hmm. but uh yeah. that sounds like a decent uh chill chill watch oh yeah this one it, it it very very much pulls you into the entire little mini documentaries that they do yeah. on there of all these little pop culture things yeah. but there's a reason like starting it with boys to men was almost 20 wise. years later mm-hmm. they are like still a casino staple you know yeah. what I mean? Like, even though they're down to three. Yeah. Yeah. Are they really? Yeah. yeah. But it's like it's still. It's like oh, like they're still able to get at least casino money. Oh yeah. Which is not not bad money, from what I understand. Yeah. The the fourth that the that they lost, as far as the tour goes, he's still alive, as far as I know. But yeah, yeah he's, he's still there. alive. He just had throat yeah. problems. Extreme bass man. So oh I mean, yeah, kick up the the bass in the background of the music now and kind of fill him in there because you've got those guys. The three of them can harmonize and beautifully on their own yeah Absolutely. back the heck off oh, backstreet boys, boys. yeah it it if it wasn't for boys to men we wouldn't have had a backstreet boys or an Sync or a 98 degrees or all the other trashy ones that followed yeah so maybe we should blame no no, no i mean i like I like some uh, Backstreet Boys songs for sure. I mean, if you want to blame Usher for Justin Bieber, absolutely, <laughs> but don't blame Boys to Men for Justin. I'm, I'm pro uh, pro uh, pro Usher, as um, <laughs> as uh, Ludacris would say in that one song. It's like you don't even know his name, <laughs> or you just, need, you just needed it to rhyme. Well, let's talk some November to remember. The show opens with the ring announcers walking down to the ring. They got like an announcer. They begin to name competitors for the evening, and they start throwing hats out to the crowd before sending a guy in an events staff shirt playing an extreme version of the national anthem on his guitar. It's so bad. <laughs> yep. Yes. And then even Polly Dangerously in 911 thinks so, because they save us by storming out to choke slam the guitar player. 911. The one time I wanted to see 911. I mean, the whole crowd does. 911 is probably the most over person in the company outside of, like, Sabu. Yeah. 
Paulie takes a mic and it doesn't work, so he grabs the yeah, mic for like studio mic in studio. Joey, yeah, yeah, yeah. He grabs like Joey's mic. It's like Joey's mic is not going to the crowd. Like <laughs> you should know this, man. But this to is your cover, show. but to cover while he's trying to find a mic, nine one one just choke slams the guy again, and then they start heading to the ring where nine one one chases and choke slams the ring announcer, allowing Paulie to take his mic and saying the guitar playing was terrible, and he always hated the ring announcing. <laughs> it looks like they have a new ring. I mean, it might be. They had, like, a ring, uh, at least the ropes were, like, tri-colored. And I was like, oh, this ring looks new. That adds to the, yeah. the whole November to remember. We got a new ring. Yeah. <laughs> They're also extreme, though. True. Yes. They got extreme no, None of that mm-hmm. Eastern bullshit anymore. The crowd then begins chanting one more time. So 911 picks up the announcer once more, with dangerously hitting him over the head with his phone before 911 choke slams him down to the mat. Joey Styles' mic is finally hot as Paul E and 911 head to the back as he welcomes us to the show. The phone slam was a little brutal. Like, you didn't have to lay it in on him, <laughs> um, Paul e, come on. The medical staff comes in with a stretcher to take the announcer out. As the crowd chants CPR, because <laughs> there's a a young lady, yeah, yeah. in the yeah. medical crew. The uh, <laughs> we stretch your job before a match starts. Before the show, we really even starts. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we then clip forward to the announcer leaving down the aisle on that stretcher. We then go to our first match: Hack Myers versus J T Smith. Hey, it's J T Smith. You know who I like? J T Smith. I kind of forgot about J.T. Smith. Yeah, but we too. haven't seen him since When Worlds Collide, episode 116. Okay. You know what I noticed about J.T. Smith? He what looks like a fucking athlete. <laughs> he looks like a professional wrestler. He is big and buff and toned, which isn't particularly common. Do you know who's not big and buff and toned? Hack Myers. Oh, Hack Myers. <laughs> yeah. Um, J.T.'s the one that did the scaffolding match or whatever. Yes. Yeah, like, like one of the famous early like old, clips they would use all dark over. Patriot. Uh-huh. Fell off the balcony at one yeah. point. Yeah, they had him like hanging from the eagle's nest or some shit. Well, no wonder he needed some time off. Mm-hmm. So the match gets going with Smith getting an early hip toss and a fallaway slam, followed by a drop kick for a two count. JT goes for another drop kick, only for Myers to avoid, and begins laying it in with left hands as the crowd shouts, Sha! 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 What's the, what's that all about? Are they missing Kevin Sullivan? Tack Myers nickname that they call him, I guess. Oh, okay. Well, they should be cheering for JT Smooch, which they don't do. Yeah. And it breaks my I mean, heart. Smith is just as easy to yell as Shaw. Yeah, just say JT. JT, JT. Yeah. It's good. It's more syllables. Mm-hmm. It's more fun. Hack with an avalanche splash in the corner before hitting a leg drop across the head on the apron, grabbing a chair and smashing it across his face. Smith rolls to the floor and hits a standing drop kick right into a chair Myers is holding in front of his face, followed by an elbow drop with a chair as well onto Hack. He's stealing Sabu's uh, not-quite-bit yet. <laughs> this is what Sabu goes on to be famous for, the innovator of the chair, the Swiss Army chair, if you will. Yeah, when you do a little bit of everything, and you can't really call it your signature yet, though. <laughs> JT continues the attack by running Myers into the guardrail. Charges in with a splash that sends them both over into the crowd. Smith with a chair shot before they head back into the ring, where JT rolls up Hack with a crucifix for a near fall. Myers then cradles up for two, only for Smith to come right back with a bridging Northern Light suplex. For the pin, 
and the win. Post match, the two men brawl their way down the aisle and to the back. Brawl to the back. It's a thing. I just can't understand why they what they have against JT. He's good. He's he's this Philly crowd has always been weird with faces and heels. Yeah, but it's one of those things too. It's like don't they want to see a guy that like they just only cheer for people that look like them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yes. no shade, but it's just like come on, man. JT Smith is uh, an impressive athlete, and like you know a, a hand the kind of the hand he's a baby face, a great. I'd like to think he would be a great babyface if given the chance in a non-outlaw promotion. <laughs> yes, I'd have to agree with that. Nice little start. Good, good to uh, see old JT back in in action. Because, as I said, I kind of forgot about him until he showed up on the screen. It's like, oh yeah, I liked yeah. him. Yeah, it's also nice for him to start with somebody that can do some stuff. So it's like, oh cool, like we get our you know, putting uh, like too cold or. Flying Brian early on WCW shows. It's always a good idea because yeah. it's eye candy immediately. Aw, JT's the Johnny B. Bad. Of <laughs> He's a little more mobile. So we go to our second match. Bad Breed of Axel and Ian Rotten versus the Pitbulls, number one and number two. And the fight is on before the bell with everyone brawling. Number two's in the ring with Axel sending Rotten to the corner, charging in with a splash only for Axel to move to send number two to the floor momentarily, receiving a clothesline once he's back in the ring. Ian slams number one's head into the apron before dropkicking him, while Axel hits another clothesline for a two-count. Joey tells us that Ian has been sent into the guardrail and is being assaulted with a chair, while number two dropkicks Axel inside the ring, following it up with a vertical suplex for an earfall. Number two tosses Axel to the floor while Ian tries for a double axe handle off the apron. But number one moves, sending Ian face first into the guardrail. Number one and Ian roll into the ring where number one hits a snap suplex, gets a big boot up on a charging Ian before coming off the second rope with a shoulder tackle. Number one then tags in number two. Oh, a tag. Which is how did we determine which... Who was legal? legal to begin with? Yeah. Number two then hits a double underhook suplex, followed by number one slingshotting over the ropes with another shoulder tackle. Number two climbs to the top rope, where number one places Ian in his arms for a super power bomb Ooh. for the pin and, and the win. win. Fucking quick, but the pitbulls are looking like such big, strong boys. Mm-hmm. Like, my God. And then. We get a gnarly like post match blade job from one of the pit bulls. Oh, it's I very obvious. It's like yeah, very obvious. That was so. Obvious. <laughs> I was like, oh man. It's like we could do this like halfway through your five minute match, maybe. <laughs> like, no, no. I mean, it was it. it was obvious in his actions, and then also, I mean, it seemed like the camera was just on focusing it. on him the entire time. Like, if I can see, if I can see from home. You know, 20 feet away from my TV, they should be able to see it zoomed in there that his yeah. hands are up under his face while he's supposed to be laying there yeah. knocked out while his fingers are moving on his forehead. Not not the not the greatest. So post-match, like you said, Axel runs back into the ring with the Pitbull's chains to attack them, which ends up busting both Pitbull's open. Oh, we got double, yeah, double uh, bloody, double bloody. But uh, old pitbull number two went quote unquote to the extreme. <laughs> so we then go to our third match: the Roughneck 
Mr. Hughes versus Two Cold Scorpio. Big cat. As they're waiting for them to come out to the ring, there is a guy mopping up the blood. <laughs> yep. I didn't catch that. From around ringside. <laughs> Jesus. And the, uh, gross. <laughs> as Hughes comes out, the crowd is chanting, Sh- Shoe Shine Boy. Ooh, rough. Rude. Right? So the match gets going, and Roughneck shoves Scorpio away multiple times out of a lockup to show off his power. I mean, putting two cold with Hughes is so weird. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, obviously we don't watch weekly shows or anything, but I don't remember them having any real issues yet with each other. And just the two of them together. It's like slop and slop trying to hold each other together. <laughs> it comes back to our main event, or one of our main events, the Shane Douglas, Ron Simmons. Oh, okay, that's that, right. Okay, that checks out. Too Cold then tries for a waist lock, and Hughes has no trouble breaking that hold. Wrist locks are then traded between the two when the roughneck starts laying it in with right hands and a hip toss, continuing the punishment with several headbutts. Mr. Hughes uses his boot to choke when Scorpio begins to fire up with chops and a splash into the corner, only for the roughneck to charge out with a clothesline. Hughes starts working the neck, but Too Cold grabs the roughneck's tie to pull his head closer to kicking to escape. Mr. Hughes then launches Scorpio into the air just to crash down to the mat. A little pancake. Following up with an elbow drop for a two count. The roughneck tries to launch too cold again, but this time he counters into a drop kick, following by another drop kick, which sends Hughes out to the floor. Scorpio goes for a baseball slide, but he leaves it short so it doesn't do any damage. So then he flies over the ropes with a plancha. The two start to brawl around ringside, with Too Cold having his head slammed against the apron before they roll back into the ring, where the roughneck hits a sidewalk slam and an elbow drop for a near fall. Scorpio is sent to the corner where he leaps up with a mule drop kick to the face of Hughes, before climbing the top rope for a 450 splash for the pin and, and the win. win. Uh, the mule drop kick was cool. It was cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. Post-match, the rough neck is not happy, and he chases after Too Cold around ringside, attacking him from behind, slamming his head on the apron and rolling him back into the ring. Mr. Hughes continues the attack with a drop kick before just tossing him over the ropes to the concrete floor. The rough neck then takes the mic and yells at the crowd that he's the baddest SOB before leaving to the back. Scorpio then rolls back into the ring and grabs the mic himself. The truth is... Mr. Shoeshine Boy. <laughs> the bottom line is you just got hit with the discs that don't miss, and whoop, there it is. Oh, uh, you just can't shake it. Uh. <laughs> Hughes comes back to ringside, so Too Cold picks up a chair and slams it across the back of the roughneck, which leads the two brawling down the aisle and to the back. <laughs> Again. Brawl to the back. Like, can we just start brawling down to the aisle, just to have a, a complete circle? <coughs> That's all from the black, from the back to the ring, mm-hmm. and then to the back afterwards. That's almost kind of how the the pitbull match was. <laughs> was. Like, well, we got one tag in the whole thing, and nobody was ever technically legal. Uh, the discs that don't miss, and whoop, there it is. 
Hey, the ring announcer lets us know that the concession stands are open in each corner, Ooh. and there's merchandise for sale there as well. Hey. Oh, yeah. If we could have, uh, go back in time and just buy all the merch and resell it on eBay, we'd have a nice little, nice little uh, you know, pocket we'd of cash. we a pretty penny right now. Yeah, for sure. Some OG ECW zebra, zebra lid hats. Sell those for a couple hundred bucks a pop. Do you think they had, like, Sandman retirement t-shirts? <laughs> no, but that'd be cool. Maybe. be really cool. We then go to our fourth match. Iron Man, Tommy Cairo versus Tommy Dreamer. Tale of the Two Tommies. So there's a story behind this match that I thought was pretty interesting. Dreamer and Sandman had been feuding. For about a year now. We saw them face each other at Hardcore Heaven, which came from Sandman having caned Tommy 57 times after kissing woman. Damn. The two men would meet a few more times... When during an I Quit match, Sandman would be blinded after a cigarette was lit in his eyes. That's what he gets for flicking one at Peaches. Mm-hmm. Dreamer would express remorse over his actions and dedicate the remainder of his career to the Sandman. While Cairo would applaud Tommy's actions saying that Sandman deserved what he got. Sandman would announce he was going to retire and give his farewell speech. On this very show. Cairo would start to mock the Sandman during his matches, which riled up Dreamer to want this match. Oh yeah, that is interesting, Matt. That Dreamer was like, you're a real scumbag, Sandman, but I respect you. Yeah, I respect you, and I'm going to dedicate my, the rest of my career to you. <laughs> well, it gives us backstory for the retirement yeah, stuff yeah. later as well. Yeah, too. yeah. I just got to say, Tommy Cairo... The ever-changing Tommy Cairo, he t- looks like a totally different person every single time I see him. I mean... Was he looking good here? Well, no. He started out as this, you know, kind of smaller buff dude in the first matches that I remember seeing of him. And then he's progressively gotten that little pregnant beer belly mm, as the hanging months out have with gone the Sandman. on. And now the, the hair muscle, is The muscles out. and the beer belly have both grown. Yes. Now he's got... Grown muscles, grown beer belly, and now has his hair grown out. So it took me a second to actually look to see because I had to pause it and get like close to my TV yeah, just to make sure that it was the same guy. Because every time you see him, it looks like somebody different. It's Tommy Cairo too. <laughs> so Dreamer attacks before the bell rings, laying it in with right hands. But the Iron Man comes back with a spinning heel kick that knocks Dreamer to the floor. Cairo follows out to hit another spinning heel kick. Goes to use a chair, but Dreamer kicks it away before picking it up himself, nailing the Iron Man across the back several times. Tyro goes for a suplex, but is blocked and reversed on the outside. Dreamer then rolls the Iron Man back into the ring to hit a stalling pile driver. With no cover. Dreamer tosses Cairo back to the outside, where someone hands him a frying pan <laughs> and a canoe paddle. To use over the head and back of the Iron Man. Well, the, the, he like the, breaks the frying pan over his head. Like yes. He hits him, and then he just has the handle on <laughs> his hand. It's like, dude, I don't think that was gimmicked. Uh, I well, think it I, might have been a cheap frying pan, yeah, but still. Like, like, I think that was one of those finger hut frying pans from back in the day. Yeah, it was a, it was a cheapo, but still, like, right on the head. There was no, no, uh, it was not, like, you know, between the shoulder blades yeah. or anything like that. Cairo fights back to send Dreamer over the guardrail into the crowd. Climbs on top of the barricade, only to slip as he tries for a dive. 
Dreamer then throws a chair before hitting a DDT on the concrete floor. And the two men are brawling in the crowd. The Iron Man with a elbow drop off a chair and choking him with the guardrail. Oh, there was a beer can punch in there too. Somebody just hands him a beer and he hits him with the beer. Like just, it's very silly, very fun. Because why not? Yeah, somebody handed it to him. <laughs> just use it. Cairo then grabs a wooden pallet and hits a running pallet shot to drop Dreamer. He continues with a frying pan, but Dreamer makes a comeback, slamming the wooden pallet on top of the Iron Man. Back in the ring, Dreamer hits a neckbreaker, then uses his t-shirt to choke and hit another neckbreaker. Cairo with a low blow and a flapjack to lay out Dreamer, and he starts to mock the Sandman, before grabbing the Singapore cane, but Dreamer with a big right hand knocks down the Iron Man. Dreamer then grabs the cane and is waylaying it over the head of Cairo. Uh, yeah. Busting him wide open. He didn't bl- He didn't... He didn't blade for that one, guys. He just cracked him over the head with that thing a few times. The hard way. Dreamer continues with the cane shots, even going down low to the Iron Boys, with even Joey's voice going up an octave. (laughs) Oh my god! Dreamer starts punching the open wound, and then licks the blood of his fist as the ref calls for a stoppage. Fucking disgusting. (laughs) This is, um, gross. (laughs) The Nightmare, Tommy Dreamer. <laughs> Post-match, Dreamer isn't done, getting some more cane shots in and even running the ref off. But once Dreamer leaves, the medical personnel is out with the stretcher again. But Cairo is able to walk to the back. Even Joey Styles, like, uh, you gave us the backstory, but I was a little confused because he's like, the blood of the Sandman is running through Trump, Tommy Dreamer. Uh, and I was like, I was like no, oh, that's God. the blood of Tommy Cairo. <laughs> yeah, he ate his blood. <laughs> For 50 bucks. <laughs> yep. I mean, I don't know what they got paid, but it couldn't have been a lot. Maybe, that. yeah. He's, he's had a few matches now, so. Yeah. He's probably up to, like, 200 a show. Maybe. And maybe a closer parking spot. Yeah, Lord willing. So we go to our fifth match, Ron Simmons versus the franchise, Shane Douglas, for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. I know, halfway through the show. I was like, well, what the hell is the main event? So Simmons had attacked Douglas a few weeks prior, you know, which led to a tag match, which we talked about a few minutes ago, Mm -hmm. which then led to this match. And Ron takes the mic to let everyone know he has never liked this city. He doesn't like you, he doesn't like the city, but he's here to kick your ass. So did he get on Shane's good side with this comment? (laughs) I mean, that's a tough call there. (laughs) I mean, we all love Ron Simmons anyway. But Ron is there to take that belt. And the crowd starts chanting, Flair is dead. Damn. To the delight of Shane. Yeah, I mean, Shane has... Not our Shane, Douglas. Yes, Yes. I mean, he had some great promos. Um, Recently, you know, people were behind him. So Simmons goes right after Douglas, but the franchise slides underneath Ron to hit a drop kick and clothesline, making the cover, only to be press slammed off to the floor. Shane takes a breather before coming back in the ring as Joey talks about how the Nature Boy and Hogan haven't answered Douglas's open challenge. <laughs> yeah. Bunch of cowards. <laughs> sure they sure they even were on the other end of that phone. <laughs> the franchise hits a crossbody. But he rolls to the outside, again to stall, even hiding behind a photographer as Simmons takes a swing at him. I know, some real, he's calling out, calling out Flair and then uh, doing Flair's gimmick. 
followed by slamming Shane's head into the guardrail at a short arm clothesline. Back into the ring, Ron telegraphs a back body drop, allowing Douglas to faceplant him and head up top, but Simmons catches him to hit a power slam. Simmons continues with a gut buster, starts to choke the franchise with his boot and a modified back suplex. Ron heads up top, coming off with a diving headbutt, which Shane avoids and starts chopping away, only for Simmons to hit a choke slam as the crowd starts to chant for 9-1-1, Ron sends Douglas to the ropes, only for him to come back and roll up Simmons with a crucifix for the pin and, and the win. win. Is that our second crucifix win, or was the other one kicked out? The other crucifix was kicked out. Okay, cool. It's like I was like, mm, I mean, you know, granted, I'm sure that they're talking about the finishes and all these matches in the bag. I'm sure that's the case, but uh, you know, typically you would want to make sure you guys aren't doing the same finishes on the show. I just remembered a crucifix from earlier. You always remember a crucifix. A lot of people do. Oh, I mean, I do. Post match, Ron is unhappy, tossing the franchise to the floor and stalking after him, before rolling them back in where Douglas grabs the world title and nailing Simmons across the head with it. Too Cold Scorpio then jumps in the ring to hit an enziguri on Shane, allowing Ron to use the championship to whip the franchise across the back before hitting a power slam. Scorpio then jumps to the top to hit a moonsault before they leave. I like how um, like Cactus comes to the ring and then just kind of like turns around and leaves. It's like, what are you doing down here, buddy? Yeah, he comes out and checks on Douglas after that, and then... Just, like, turns around. <laughs> Maybe he thought he was actually hurt, but I don't know what spot. I mean... Maybe Ron talked beforehand about how he was going to come down there, and him and yeah. old Scorpio were going to kick old Shane's cut for, ass. Cut for time. Yeah. But the franchise ends up taking forever to get up on his own to head to the back. We then get Sandman's retirement ceremony. Sandman comes out, he has bandages over his eyes, being helped to the ring by President Todd Gordon, as Joey is getting all choked up about the end of an era. Todd has the mic and he says that it's a difficult moment for him. This is a man that epitomizes taking wrestling to the extreme. There's some jeers here and there's not much love for Sandman like there used to be. It's kind of weird. A man I've been able to call my best friend. There's a cameraman in the ring for close-ups, but they never cut to the close-ups. They stay on the wide shot, and so therefore the cameraman is in the way the entire time. Yeah, maybe he will, maybe he ran out of tape. <laughs> blank tape in there. Or, I mean, not a blank tape in there. I was waiting for it to be somebody that you know was just pretending to be a cameraman. And then hit him with it? <laughs> it was Polly. <laughs> Sam Man then takes the mic, and he says, He never thought he would have to retire at the age of 31. And I'm watching the TV going, damn, if he's 31, I feel great because he looks a whole <laughs> lot worse than I do now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love uh, Sandman's suit. I was like, did he get this suit from Harley Race, like a state sale? <laughs> it's the missing pieces that Junkyard junk Dog had years ago where he had just the shirt and the cummerbund. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I was like, I had a whole suit when I got here. <laughs> Sandman was jobbing out on the dark match for that show, I guess. Sandman continues saying, but he's beaten the living daylights out of Tommy Cairo and taken Tommy Dreamer to an inch of his career. He wouldn't change anything, 
even if he's lost everything, including his wife, which was all thanks to woman. He then tells woman to kiss his ass because she had abandoned him after he lost his eyesight. And a woman that looks like that doesn't want somebody who can't see her. Sorry, Sandman. <laughs> Peaches yeah. then makes her way to the ring and takes the mic. And she says she doesn't know whether to slap him or kiss him. Sure she does. But then she grabs him and plants one on his lips. Then She then makes a reference to the fact that she has changed a little. Meaning she got a boob job. Yeah, she's like, she's dressed, she was never dressed particularly skimpy before, and now she's got like, you know, a like, like bikini style top on, yeah. showing, showing some midriff, and you know, added to her bra size. Which Sandman just thinks that she means that she gained some weight. <laughs> Which was very funny, because he can't see, and he's like, it's alright, I still love you, baby. Woman then interrupts to introduce her newest client. But before she does, she nails Peaches with a cane shot to the head. That wasn't even like a light cane shot, too. (laughs) Oh, man. like, smash that peach. Gordon is telling her to go away when Sandman mistakenly clotheslines Todd from behind. Uh Followed by Tommy Dreamer running out to save the Sandman from a woman beating. As Dreamer is yelling, Sandman begins to take his bandages off. Caning Tommy from behind and whipping him with his belt before announcing that he was woman's newest client. What? It was all an act! I know, I was waiting for... uh, It was me all along! (laughs) For Sandman to get a beating from any woman as opposed to uh, the other way around like we typically see. (laughs) would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for that pesky kid, Tommy. I thought this was a really well done angle. <laughs> it was really fun. You got all the information. They've been doing this angle for yeah. quite a while. I'm not saying it's it wasn't si- well done, but it was comical. Yeah, as silly as it was, like they even knew that it was funny. It was funny, but it wasn't like wacky or goofy, like some um, like wrestling, yeah. humorous wrestling stuff. It was funny, 1994 funny, not wrestling in 2021 attempt at humor yeah this was funnier to me yeah. than some of the other than some other plenty of other wrestling humor we see probably because it was only like the third or fourth time it had been done as opposed to the 60th or 750th time that we get now yeah they weren't overacting it either which is something you see a lot now yes yeah. joey then brings shane douglas to the stage for an interview the franchise has a phone with him talks about never feeling anything like what he felt tonight He mentions those entertainers in Chicago destroyed what he had worked for the last 14 years, calling Terry Belia a hulk of shit. (laughs) I love that. I love that he pulled out the real name, called him a hulk of shit. So good. Continues with, my success in ECW has been because of blood, sweat, and tears, but also was due to a beautiful woman. I don't care that Ron Simmons was the first black champion. Two Cold Scorpio stuck his nose where it doesn't belong. Now the franchise must rebuild, and that's why I have this phone. I have Sherry on the line, and I want her back here in two weeks. She said it would be great to be with a man again. (laughs) Also, I'm having her bring me a partner. To take on Simmons and Scorpio. Stunning Steve Austin. Record scratch. So good. So 
this was WCW's way of paying off a lawsuit over the name When Worlds Collide. Uh-oh. ECW had their When Worlds Collide show earlier in the year that we've already covered, mm-hmm. while WCW would help produce a show with AAA called When Worlds Collide, which we'll cover next week. Lawsuit over the name, ECW won, WCW agreed to send a few people... Give them some talent. Give them some talent to basically make the payment. Which is funny, because it's like, they got Ted Turner money. <laughs> Maybe Polly was like, I need some star power. So Sherry, Stunning Steve Austin, and Kevin Sullivan... Mm, well, two, were, of, two of those things are not like the other. ...were all scheduled to appear. But Stunning Steve would end up being replaced... Oh my gosh. ...by Brian Pillman. Okay, well, that's a solid replacement. And that match between Simmons, Scorpio versus Shane and Pillman can be seen on an episode of Hardcore TV, which we're not going to cover. But it's out. But it is out there if that's something that's interested. It's interesting to me, but do, will I look it up? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. 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 We then go to our sixth match. The Shooter, Dean Malenko, with Jason... The sexiest man on, on the Earth. planet, in the world? On Earth. On Earth. The whole damn planet. Versus the Tasmaniac. So Dean has joined Jason Stable and won the ECW World Television Championship earlier in the month from Two Cold Scorpio, who had won it from Jason. But this match is a non-title matchup. And the crowd is grunting for Taz as they get started. They lock up and stumble around the ropes to begin when the Tasmaniac takes down Malenko and starts hammering away on him. Taz tosses Dean to the ropes and telegraphs the back body drop, allowing Malenko to go for a double underhook suplex, only for the Tasmaniac to fight his way out and deliver a Northern Lights suplex for a two count. Dean with a knee to the gut to set up a release Tiger Driver. Follows that up with a Boston Crab, only for Taz to power out, sending Malenko out to the floor. The Tasmaniac gives chase, but on his entrance back into the ring, Dean starts stomping away. I mean, that's a really strong move to put over for Taz, who he kicks him off of a Boston Crab. It's like, damn, well, I guess Taz is a very strong man. Yeah, I mean, looking at him... Back then, I mean, he's yeah. got serious tree trunk yeah, legs. Yeah. And so. he, like, lifts his... He, like, does kind of the push-up thing and then flicks him off. But him flicking off Dean Malenko's like, damn, we're really going to no-sell this Boston Crab like <laughs> The two men then trade full Nelsons, with Taz then hitting a low blow, kicking Malenko to the corner, where he stumbles out into a T-bone suplex. The Tasmaniac runs into a big boot in the corner, followed by Dean jumping on his shoulders for a victory roll for a near fall. Tries for it again only for Taz to counter it into a release German suplex that Malenko over-rotates on to go down on his head. The Tasmaniac then runs into a spinning kick in the corner. Dean then heads up top for a moonsault, but he's knocked down to be crotched on the top rope. The little shooters? Yes. Taz then climbs to hit a superplex, but Malenko elbows his way free, tossing the Tasmaniac to the floor where they start to brawl only for Taz to get the better of it with a chair. After rolling Dean back in, Jason tries to get a few cheap shots in. 
but he gets whipped into the barricade for his efforts. But the distraction does allow Malenko to grab a towel and stuffs it in the face of the Tasmaniac to lay him out for the pin and, and the, the win. win. Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. People didn't like uh, the finish. Post-match, Taz is out. So the medics have to come out again. And they end up having to give him some smelling salts. Yeah, they crack it open, man. Uh, he, got, he got chloroform. Yeah, it's pretty dark. <laughs> and when he oh, wakes... Joey Styles can even smell it, he said. Yeah, he can smell it all the way in the eagle's nest. When Taz wakes up, he just starts wrecking stuff. Yeah. He doesn't know where he is. He's going wild. So we're headed to our seventh match. The public enemy of Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge versus Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck in a brawl game match for the ECW World Tag Team Championship. Mikey, Mikey. So the rules of this match are that you have to lay out your opponent for a 10 count, and then you can use the bats and or make a pin. Uh, which we've seen something similar to this before. It was called a baseball match before yeah, a couple public months en- ago. Yeah, I don't know if Pelligan is still wearing their baseball gear, but uh, you know they had some special baseball gear made, I believe, for that match. <laughs> But yes, it's the same rules. We'll see if this one goes better than the last one. Jack-style match, and, you know, Mikey's uh, over as hell, and Rocco Rock likes to be a... He's a, a the largest man that flips. The largest <laughs> airborne man we got. People like that. He's a little more agile than Jack. Jack just likes to splat. Jack so, splat. So Grunge lets the crowd know that he has balls. Followed by Rocco yelling at them as Jack and Mikey wait. Public Enemy decides that they've just had enough, so they go to leave, only for the ref to start the 10 count. So they make their way back into the ring, where Whipwreck hits a failed shoulder block for our first action of the match. <laughs> I love that they chant Jailbirds. It's like, was it? did they famously get like a DUI or something around this time, Public I, Enemy? I'm just trying to figure Jailbirds. out. Okay, so you're going to leave... Did you think the referee wasn't uh, going to count? Yeah. And... It's like, are you just going to run to your car? <laughs> like, do you think you're going to I mean, when paid? you're champions and you do this, it makes sense. Yeah. When you're not the champions, like, and they're also you're guys just giving that... up your chance at the title. Yep. So like... They're also the guys that do wild shit. Yeah. Mikey continues with a failed drop kick, allowing Public Enemy to just work him over with second rope elbow drops, head butts, and a low blow. Johnny with a gourd buster to continue, but Cactus Jack comes in to make the save, slamming Public Enemy into different corners, followed by whipping Mikey around into them both. Oh, Mikey really was a whipwreck there. <laughs> whipwreck is so wrecked that he is down for an eight count, so Jack clotheslines both members of Public Enemy and throws Mikey at them with a dropkick. Whipwreck goes for a double noggin knocker, only for Public Enemy to block and hit a double clothesline. Which is a pretty fun spot. <laughs> Rocco with a mule kick to Cactus's prickly pear, followed by Grunge clotheslining Jack over the top rope to the floor. 360. Where Johnny continues by crotching Cactus Jack on the guardrail. Back in the ring, Mikey is all alone, being worked over with a double back elbow by Public Enemy. Grunge with a reverse DDT, followed by the drive-by from Rock. The ref gets to a nine count as Jack is back in with a chair, nailing both members of Public Enemy, followed by a double-arm DDT of Rocco onto the chair. Grunge jumps in the ring to help Johnny get to his feet, only for Cactus Jack to grab them for a double DDT. Public Enemy back up at the count of nine. 
when they throw powder into Jack's face and start working Whipwreck over again. But he fires back with forearms until Rock sidesteps one, sending Mikey into Cactus Jack, where he DDTs Whipwreck no. for the tin count. Oh my gosh, no, Mikey. Public Enemy then grabs the bats and is waylaying them both, taking the fight out of the ring and down the aisle and up to the announce area. Rocco sets a table on top of another table where he lays Mikey on top of them before climbing up a level and he starts dancing when all of a sudden Sabu is there. He's doing the cabbage patch. Sabu's like, nobody goes through double tables. (laughs) I go through double tables. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yep. Whipwreck is able to crawl off the tables before Sabu tosses Rock off and through those tables. Followed by 911 and Heyman grabbing Sabu and taking him to the back. He's unhinged. He's homicidal. Suicidal. <laughs> He's here for gimmick infringement, damn it. <laughs> Mikey grabs a chair and is nailing Rocco with it multiple times, but Grunge is there with the bat to break it up, followed by Jack making it there to break that up by suplexing Rock onto a table and then hitting a running elbow drop from the balcony. Joey tells us about Whipwreck diving onto Johnny before the camera catches up with him in the ring, where Grunge sunset flips Mikey, but Whipwreck stays up and sits down for a two count, followed by Johnny finally pulling Mikey over for a near fall as well. Grunge hits a clothesline, grabs the bat, and nails a top rope bat shot to the face, for the pin, and the win. And new! I mean, it takes a top rope bat shot yeah. to take down Mikey Whipwreck, guys. He's a tough, tough, tough little bastard. Yep. And I think this might be one of the early, like, big ECW chants we get, too. Yeah. ECW, ECW, it's going crazy. We just saw a bunch of wild shit. They're jumping from the eagle's nest onto tables. You got bats. Sabu you know did some showed up people like that yeah i mean hell you got fucking ron simmons todd gordon then comes but on the show yeah for sure that's a big get todd gordon then comes out to run down the card of the next show on november 19th which is the one we were not going to cover cactus jack then rolls back into the ring to tell everyone how tough mikey whipwreck is but he's hurt so i'm bringing in an old friend kevin sullivan Mm. to take on public enemy in two weeks. It's funny. It's like, oh, yeah, they got it. They got it planned out, but it's okay. Everybody believes that Mikey's hurt. Yep. If you, even if you, if you got to believe, if you have to believe, that one is believable. We then go to our eighth match: Chris Benoit versus Sabu, with Paul E. Dangerously and Nine One One. Now, as soon as Sabu jumps in the ring, he attacks, only for Benoit to hit a knee to the gut and a front. Rubber band slam. A big one. Mm-hmm. Chris then hot shot Sabu where he lands straight on his head, causing Fuck. him to roll to the floor while the ref is like, oh, oh my, my god. god. I mean, I did yeah. the same thing. Like, it's, it's, my notes, it's just like, uh, Sabu lands on head. Uh, fuck. <laughs> fuck. It's really, I mean, the man should have died. Paul E. and 911 come to check on Sabu, while the ref keeps Benoit at bay in the ring. 911 then makes his way into the ring, so Chris bells to the outside, saying he didn't sign on to face 911. Damn right. Benoit keeps trying to get over to Sabu, 
but 911 keeps stepping in the way. I mean, keep it keep it working because this is uh, not this is a this is a shoot injury, brother. Yes, this is not awesome. They are all flying by the seat of their pants. The medics in, make their way out to ringside, and Chris then takes the mic from the ring announcer, reiterating that he wants to fight Sabu, and that he did sign a contract to face 911. 911 is then dealing with the ref allowing Benoit to sneak into the ring and attack him from behind, chopping the big man into the corner, delivering some forearms until 911 is like, that's enough, and just choke slams Chris, making the cover for a pin, but there's no bell, as this isn't a real match. It's like, okay, but, you know, what are we going to do? 911 choke slams Benoit again, when Public Enemy jumps in the ring with the baseball bats to take the big man down. Dangerously then jumps in the ring using his phone across the head of Grunge, but a bat shot from Rock takes him down. Public Enemy is just landed into both of them with the bats when Cactus Jack hits the ring to go after them, allowing 911 to make it back to his feet to deliver a double choke slam on Public Enemy. All of the locker rooms is emptying. Bad Breed, J.T. Smith, JT. Steve Richards, oh, Two Cold Scorpio, Dino Sandoff, no way. Hack Myers, and the Tasmaniac all come to ringside to brawl with each other throughout the crowd. Everybody but Mikey, he's hurt. <laughs> Eventually, Taz and Public Enemy are in the ring, where Grunge hits a reverse DDT, only for the Tasmaniac to no-sell it getting right up to hit a Tazplex on Johnny while Rock is beating on Paul E. Taz then grabs a bat and starts laying out both members of Public Enemy, clearing the ring. Cactus Jack and Benoit are then shown brawling at ringside when 911 rolls Chris into the ring where we get a standoff between Benoit and Taz as 911 grabs dangerously to take him to safety. Joey tells us that Chris is the winner of the match but actually it was declared a no contest as Sabu broke his neck. I mean, like, I was curious how, I mean, the injury obviously was bad enough that he was not going to continue. But And this is how Benoit got the nickname The Crippler. Oh, okay. So I didn't know that until I saw it in the notes here. But we all know Sabu does go on to continue uh, doing wildly dangerous things and wrestling. He's literally wrestling in like two weeks. Oh my god. With a broken neck, Jesus Christ. Yep. Don't do it, guys. Styles says his goodbyes, but then Chris asks for the mic, but it doesn't work. So Public Enemy comes into the ring to raise Benoit's arms. The ring announcer gets the mic fixed and hands it back to Chris. And he asks, what happened to the great Sabu? All of a sudden, Too Cold Scorpio is then in the ring, and he takes the mic telling Benoit that if he wants a fight... I'm right here. So we get our ninth match. Bum, bum, bum. Chris Benoit with Public Enemy versus Two Cold Scorpio. We called an audible. You can't, you can't send him home with nothing. Two, like who's the closest thing to Sabu here? Yeah, Two Cold Scorpio. That's right. Who's more dangerous? Probably Sabu. <laughs> yeah. Two Cold, Two Cold, fifty-fifty. They've had some slop off the top ropes, but uh, Sabu other. is pure slop part of the appeal one guy lands on his head the other guy usually lands you know ass first on somebody else's head yeah there you go man i forgot about that public enemy jumps scorpio instead of leaving which allows benoit to clothesline and powerbomb too cold for a two count 
Chris continues with a snap suplex as Public Enemy takes Hat Guy's hat and begins to tear it apart on the outside. Oh, ripped his heart apart with that hat too, I'm sure. Scorpio recovers to hit a thrust kick to send Benoit to the outside. So Public Enemy jumps back in the ring, only to be taken down by multiple drop kicks and a spinning heel kick from Too Cold. Chris makes his way back into the ring as ringside starts to fill up with the locker room again, essentially making this a lumberjack match. Benoit with a back elbow sets Scorpio on the top rope for a superplex for a two count. Chris with a body slam and then sets up Too Cold for a back superplex, but Scorpio turns in midair to land on top with a crossbody. Two Gold continues with a double underhook suplex for a two count before setting Benoit on the top rope to hit a super victory roll for a near fall. Scorpio with a super kick to knock Chris to the ropes, charging in only for Benoit to hit a hip toss that takes them both over the ropes and to the floor. Uh, damn. That shit was like a hip toss to the floor. It was, it's like... Come on, Sabu just broke his neck. Let's be careful. Mm-hmm. They just tumbled out. The two men are brawling on the floor, and Two Cold sends Chris into the guardrail. But Benoit comes back to slam Scorpio into the timekeeper's table, followed by sending him into the guardrail as the ref makes the countout. Post match, Two Cold has grabbed a chair and goes back into the ring to clear Chris out before taking the mic to tell Benoit that they should do it again sometime. Joey signs off again as Cactus Jack takes the mic to tell the crowd to keep Sabu in their thoughts. And the re-announcer reminds the crowd about that show in two weeks before thanking them for being there as the video fades to black. I mean, further proof that Cactus Jack McFoley is the nicest guy in wrestling. <laughs> he like, goes out there and is like, keep Sabu in your prayers. It's like, my God. He didn't have to do that. Uh, I like that you said it in a Terry Funk voice almost. What's funny is when uh, Mick Foley does the Mankind gimmick, he basically is doing Terry Funk. (laughs) He's just like, oh, Terry, do you mind if I just do your voice? So So, so basically that means you should probably prepare yourself for (laughs) some funky Foley Uh, promos. There's going to be some fun promos (laughs) to do, honestly. So a, I don't know if it's a fun note. I thought it was an interesting note. I guess I should say. So... It's been said that when Sabu was in the hospital, he refused to speak to protect kayfabe. <laughs> so Pauly had to act as a translator, which lasted for hours until he was eventually forced to speak to save his life. <laughs> really? It was that bad? Like, what did they... I mean, I don't know exactly. I don't but know like, exactly. But, but yeah, that's the story. That's the story that's out there. But then I also looked, and like I said, he would literally wrestle 13 days later at a house show. Jesus Christ. Dumb. Before heading to Japan. Ugh. We're, mm. Ooh, we're yeah. going to see Sabu yeah. in Japan, huh? I'm sure they didn't hang out with him too much. Like, I mean, I could see him probably doing some a bunch of just stuff in Japan, but like him in New Japan, they'd be like, hey man, this guy's too, too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but who knows? So I ask you gentlemen... What are your overall thoughts of November to Remember 1994? Not a hard watch, but the end was wild, was wild but not necessarily in a good way. Yeah. Because it's just like, all right, well, what are we going to do here? It was kind of interesting to see them 
try to figure it out. But I mean, if it they threw something together that that was somewhat interest, like if I didn't know that Sabu got hurt, bef- you know, before watching the match, like watching that, I'd be like, wow, this is like an interesting way to end this show. But when, as soon as you see, like, because it's on like the hard cam, if you will. Yeah. But like when he falls, it's like, oh no. He's hurt. Is your immediate thought? He I mean, goes out to the floor. I, I kept looking for up. someone to throw up like the the X symbol or something like that. <laughs> was, it, was that pre X? It could. It be. must have been because <laughs> yeah. like, I never saw any official like do it. This is yeah. I mean, this is also ECW ninety four. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? This isn't the most official shit on the planet. But then it's hard to figure out too. All right, did something actually happen or was this planned? Because you know, then you've got yeah, everybody exactly. running down the ring. You got Paul E taking a shot to the head with a bat mm. i mean if you couldn't have if the if the fall wasn't so obvious like i mean the crazy thing is is that like paulie's down at ringside and he's the one that would have made the call for all of this to happen so that that's where i'm like he's in the ring at well he's got the telephone in his hand <laughs> yeah, maybe he made a phone call maybe they the always back. have this backup plan because when sabu's out there you don't really know what's going to happen so yeah. there's there's just that I'd like, to think, Cac- I'd like of... to think Cactus was just like, fuck. All right, guys. Yeah. <laughs> let's I, I just all, think... let's all go brawl for a minute and uh, we'll, some, we'll whisper into Benoit's ear. Or maybe this was all Shane Douglas in the back. Who knows? He's, he's, the, one, <laughs> he's the man with the belt. He's the franchise. Yeah. What about you, Shane? Um, yeah, this was, I mean, for never watching a, a, a November to remember, this was a very memorable show. It had its. It starts with a stretcher job. Yeah. For, for an announcer right. and ends with, with a, a real stretcher job. <laughs> it had some, some eye rolling moments, but then it also had some holy shit, did that really just fucking happen? So, yeah, I mean, in in the uh, the stretch of ECW shows, I'd put it up there as one that's worth checking out. You know, it's, yeah, it's definitely not the most difficult horrible. Watch. So I got a question for you. Okay. What's the one sin any match can have? Going too long. Yeah. None of these matches went too long. That is true. A lot of times we'll get tag matches that go forever, uh, especially in ECW sometimes. Yeah, where it's just every, like a, a everything, yeah. everything was just the right amount. Like it never wore out its welcome, uh, yeah. which made this show just fly by for me and enjoyable to a point. I'm not going to say it was an amazing show by any means, but I love that some of the work rate guys, Benoit, Malenko, those kind of guys, they're starting to make their way to Philly. Yeah. So it means, it only means that bigger and better things are about to happen. For in sure. ECW. I agree completely. And like, you know, you, we, you spoiled it a little bit. It's like, oh, well, Austin. And you're like, well, actually, they ended up sending Pillman. It's like, well, I mean, you know, if you're not going to send Austin, we'll take fucking Pillman or vice versa. Not a problem. Now, I'm just curious, though. Did we get Sherry on that show still? Yes, Sherry's okay. on that show as well. So Sherry's they, the manager yeah. for... I know he had mentioned For Shane. Uh, Sullivan, and then Cactus Jack mentioned Sullivan too, but yeah, I dig it. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right, fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So what are some of the best moments of this show? To be honest, the Sandman, this might be the most fun Sandman stuff because it was the quickest, it was the most entertaining, and it was also like the culmination of this feud that we've been digging through for the last however many months in ECW world. Yeah, 
in that same little sense there, uh, one of the best moments for me was woman with that damn cane shot to Peaches. Oh, I mean, Peaches. She I mean, didn't pull any we'll punches. We'll just talk about Peaches there. then, because Peaches showing up with some Peaches was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. was, fun, to, was fun as well. Yeah. yeah, she went from Peach to Mango. <laughs> yeah. um, Two Colds Mule dropkick yeah. was, was really good. I was, that was something that yeah. I had never seen before, or at least I don't... Yeah, it was it was very noticeable. I was like, oh, I don't I don't know that I've seen that before. I mean, we've watched a lot of wrestling. You see you see some stuff more than others, but rarely is it like, oh, like that's innovative, and that uh, felt the, innovative. The Pitbulls hit a super power bomb, which is the first time we've seen that move. I did. I like the Pitbulls, I and I that was the first time. I was happy to see J T. Smith because I like J T. Smith. Yeah, I, I really enjoy J T. Smith as yeah. well. He seems like the, he seems like he has the potential for good work, but. Doesn't ever really get to do it whenever you're dealing with like Mr. Hughes and things, so, or Hack Myers. Sorry, White Mr. Hughes. I mean, Mr. Hughes is probably better than Hack Myers. Mikey Whipwreck being whipwrecked all over the, <laughs> yeah. all over the the ring by Cactus. Yeah, there's nothing like literally. I'm watching that, and right now in AEW, there's a tag team that literally is on dark. 90% of the time. Yeah, like, yeah. I think they've been on Dynamite maybe like once and like the entire time. They haven't got buried by but the Bucks yet. <laughs> but it's uh, Luther and I can't think of his name. He's a smaller guy. But he's a smaller guy. And literally that is their entire gimmick. It's like Luther comes in and just throws his partner, like body slams him onto the other team. Yeah, like, yeah. Just throws him around. And that's, it's like a that's, more extreme version of Jack and Whipwreck. Because yeah. like even I think... Previously, we saw Jack and Whipwreck, and I think he used Mikey in a situation like that, maybe. Is that true? It's the first time we've seen them together. Okay. Because they, the, they won the belts on the tag or the tournament show that I was hoping that we were going to get to see that match, but it wasn't on there. So, Any more best moments that we want to mention? It's one of those things where it's just a pretty easy-to-watch show, though, of course, we all know the disappointing thing. Like three of the matches, the post matches that they brawl to the back. Oh well, yeah, but I'm just used to that at this oh. point. I'm gonna. Throw we do that out. in all of wrestling now, uh, except for like that I pay attention to it all, except for New Japan. Like you see that in NXT, you see that in WWE, you see that in AEW. It's just a thing that unfortunately became an ECW staple, and people still do it. And it, I don't like you know, it, once, but it happens. Once a show is fine, but literally, I think three of these matches ends that way. Yeah, yeah and once a show, it's like. You know, even in the Attitude Era, when they ever they did do that, the cameras went back there, and it was typically like for the purpose of an angle, whether the angle was yeah. good or bad. But just to do it, it's like, well, okay. And then they just got tired and like got in their cars and drank a Budweiser. Like, what, what, <laughs> like okay. Um, I'd say one of the best moments for me, even though it apparently didn't end up happening, was the fact that in the Shane Douglas little promo deal where he's on the phone. Instead of going to the so many times used mystery partner, yeah, they actually say a name. Yes. they say who he's talking to on the phone. Yeah, instead of leaving you with that, that lingering cloud. I saw that next show, man. That's a, it is a really good point too. It's like mystery partner. It's like, well, we can tell him who it is. Yeah, like it's that's and okay. Then, it's okay sometimes yeah. to be excited as I mean, long as the person has name value. I'm sure it would have been disappointing 
with him not actually showing up, but the fact that Pillman ends up being the one replacing him was also, you know, a fair deal. If anybody anybody that was excited power. for Austin to be there is going to be excited for Pillman to be there, especially well, at this so. point in time where it's like they're like it's not Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's Steve Austin, the great worker and like rising rising good heel, and Pillman, who's been a name on television for longer than Austin at this point, uh, and. Yeah, so if yeah. You, they know if they know one, they know the other, and they like both of them. Another plus side is that all of the promos are good on this show. Yeah. Even Ron Simmons' quick promo is good. Scorpio, anytime somebody grabs the mic, it's pretty good uh, and interesting, and nobody really like flubs it. Yeah. So it's like that also helps with it's like everything's short. Anytime somebody actually uses the mic, they say something of value. Yeah. How about most disappointing, other than what I've already mentioned? Sabu's neck break. Yeah, because I want to see Sabu and Chris Benoit, and we didn't. We saw Benoit and Scorpio interact. Which is all I would have been probably equally as excited to see uh, Scorpio and Benoit at the end of this show. But Sabu is the ECW guy, and Scorpio is just like seems like he's not going to be here for a long time. And Sabu is fucking ECW. His ECW, like, you know, carved into his forehead. So when he hit his neck, I was like, fuck, I'm not going to get to see this. And then it went on for, it kind of wore out its welcome, but it's hard to judge that because they're pulling something out. And what they pulled out ultimately was not, like, horrendous. They didn't just just brawl in the crowd. I mean, literally, they could have just ended up standing, like, 911 and Benoit could have, 911 could have just chokeslammed Benoit a couple times. And then the mat, and then everyone just be like, "Okay, we're going home." Yeah, yeah and this was better than that. Have, have Jack walk back down to the ring and just make sure that he's okay, and then walk back. Yeah, this was <laughs> this was better than than a lot of options that they could have yeah. ways this could have gone. But it's just a bummer because I got really excited when it was like, "Oh, the last match has been Juan Sabu." Four seconds in, uh, Sabu fucking busts his head open. Yeah, and I'm just like, "Ah, oh, shit!" And as soon as that happened, I was like, "I was like, uh, when he rolled out to the floor." And he didn't get up immediately. I was like, "Oh, okay. Like, fuck. It's a, it's a problem." And then you're, and then from there, it's kind of like, you know, all of this is quote unquote crash TV. But it's like, oh, this is actual crash TV. There's yeah. no plan right now. So it was interesting to see it play out. But not being able to see those two interact was a bummer. I'll go ahead and throw old staff member guitar player. Yeah. He was really bad. Yeah, my, my and I imagine that they were, like even if he was a great guitar player, they probably were like, go out there and suck it up so nine one one can choke slam you. Yeah, it's also funny that they're throwing shade, like, on Hogan, on Flair, on the they, the they big really two. Say Brett this much? No, they do say Brett. I think maybe once in this show, yeah. but he's not. He's not either of those two guys. Like I, maybe prefer Brett in the long run to Flair, but that's like those are two of the best guys. Yeah. Just like of all time, uh, Flair's a better character. Brett is uh, like about as good as it, it gets psychologically in the ring. Yeah, he's the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. So yeah, but Sorry. you know he's not he's not going to take you to Space Mountain. No, but he may take you to the dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> he may, maybe I will take you to the dungeon. I feel like Brett's got to be way nicer than his father. He seems like such a sweet guy. I mean, back then, he's, perhaps. I, I want to say now, he's probably about as he's, he's cranky seen, old man as you can get. He's a little bitter. It's like I mean, he was bitter with the screw job, but we're ways from that. But, yeah, fun show. Yep. 
How about best performer? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Nobody really sucks it up. I'm going to go Scorpio. And see, I can't. I was thinking there's too much Scorpio on my TV. I mean, he made, <laughs> he made an interesting match with Hughes. He did. It didn't go, like you said, didn't go too long. And then, but then it, he said, diss that don't miss and won't there it is. Well, and that's his line. I yeah, know, I mean, I, I, that, that was like, it. he was just saying that to get to Shane. <laughs> he was like... In about 27 years, this guy yeah. is going to be watching the show. <laughs> and I'm going to say this just to piss him off. Well, they knew back then that Shane... And then Scorpio kind of steps up and is like, Hey, me and Benoit have had matches in the past. We can go out there and roll around for seven minutes and yeah. send these people home happy. I thought the Malenko-Taz match may have been some of the best in-ring. Actually, I was just looking, and I'm like, I know we usually do best performer, but I'm just like... Nobody sucked. What was the worst match on the show? Maybe like Hack and JT, but I would say that J- what what Scorpio did with Hughes is what JT did with Hack. See, I think yeah. it might be the Tommy's match, but the Tommy's match like had a purpose. Yeah, yeah it was not a. Um, it was so... a like it was a it was existed f- existed for a purpose, and it it achieved its purpose. Yeah. So I can't say that I didn't like the match, but I think it's probably the worst worked match. Yeah, outside of the kerfuffle at the end, but like, like so we're giving that one a, a pass because yeah, of he, what it is. I mean, they did a good job considering what it is. That, yeah, that's the thing. So yeah, I mean, like I said, this is a, just a solid, enjoyable show. It's an easy, an easy watch. I feel. Uh, I guess I forgot one for most disappointing. I just scrolled by it. The, what is it? The blade job from Pitbull number two. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah. <laughs> I totally missed that. So I, mean, yeah. I don't know how, because you made it seem like it was pretty um, blatant. It's very, very blatant. How about most surprising? Not the blade job. No. The return of J.T. Smith. To be honest, I was legitimately um, excited about J.T. Smith. Don't... I was... I was surprised at Ron Simmons being there, because I kind of forgot he did a little stint in... ECW. Yeah. Um, Pitbull's looking good. JT Smith and like the Pitbull's getting booed even though the, they look like athletes and are like I mean, better. Not even arguably. They're just obviously better at wrestling. I mean, I think the most surprising thing for me is I mean, we're not saying the show was great, but I think we are saying this might be the best ECW show consistently. Consistently, it is consistently enjoyable for Because me. we have just literally said. We don't really know who to give best performer to, but we really don't know who to give worst match to either. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I mean, if it was, like, Mr. Hughes and maybe a, like, Pitbull, like, number one or whatever, like, that, he's not going to be able to do uh, with yeah. Mr. Hughes what JT did. No. And that would have, like, you know, no shade to either of them or to one of the Pitbulls, but, like, that's not the kind of... Those are tag, tag team wrestlers. He needs, to either, he needs to either smash a guy. Like, Pitbull one can go in there and, like... You know, no sell JT Smith's drop kicks and smash him and suplex him all over the place, and that's good and interesting. But what is he going to do with Mr. Hughes? I got to throw old uh, Dean Malenko on there too, as far as 
surprising because yeah. I, I didn't know he was going to be on this show. And, and yeah, him and Taz had some yeah. fun suplexes and spots. They had a good little spot. You know, the the fact that Jason, the sexiest man in, in the world or in the universe. On was, the earth. On, on the, the earth. earth. Sorry. It's, it, yeah, it seems like um, they, they paired everybody up pretty well match-wise on the show. Uh, he's hired the sexier man on earth in one Mr. Dean Malenko, Mr. James Bond wrestler, man of a thousand holds, womanizer. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Oh, what we got this time? So this week, the category is 20 questions. It's 20 questions, the question and answer program everyone enjoys. And by random flipping of a coin, Shane goes first. Oh. So. Yeah, I'm like. Well, got, yeah, remind me the rules of I'm, this. I'm, I'm going to give you... I'm gonna give you uh, do I need a pen and paper or... I mean, if you might want to write down stuff, just so that way you remember what you've asked. I'm going to give you this much. The wrestler is from 83 to 92. All right. Wrestler. You can ask me questions about stuff that they've done... Outside of eighty three to ninety two, okay. I will. I will. Your questions will be answered. I will give you other. So if you say, if you ask me if he was a world heavyweight champion, but he wasn't in between eighty three and ninety two, but he was in like ninety six, I will still answer yes. Okay. Okay. But it's just somebody that we have uh, that has appeared between eighty two or eighty. It's someone that we have three and covered between eighty three and ninety two. Okay. Okay. Basically, between um, Starcade and Survivor Series of '92, most likely, because the Survivor Series is the last pay per view of the year back then. Uh, Starcade. 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 Okay. So yeah. between Starcade and Starcade. Yeah, from Starcade to Starcade. So you start with 20 points. Each question you ask takes off a point. So, whenever you get the correct answer, that is not considered a point taken off. So you would get that point total. Gotcha. Got me? Yeah, chipping away at... And do they have to strictly be yes or no questions? Yes. Okay. So um, I would make sure that you are like kind of two. kind of specific with your questions. I have a list of 23, 1 to 23. Pick your poison. From 1 to 23? Yeah. Let's go for 17. And that's the wrestler that he randomly picked. Correct. So your first question. Oh, that's right. I have to ask the question. <laughs> this is so different. I know. I have some ideas. Was this... Is it a man? Yes. Okay. Oh, nice. It's a man. It's not um, Rockin' Robin. Oh, <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> or uh, uh, were they... Were they ever WCW heavyweight champion? No. Okay. Were they ever WWF champion? No. Okay. I wanted to make a joke, but I'm like, well, I know who it is. I can't make the joke. Are they an announcer? No. Okay. Will it ever be an announcer? Just We don't know. Okay. Depends on the, the random draw. Danny Davis was a referee. Oh, yeah. Were they ever a tag team champion? Yes. Okay. Were they ever Intercontinental Champion? No. Okay. 
Hmm. I don't know why this name just all of a sudden jumped into my head, but I don't know if I should say it yet. Uh, <laughs> it's, like it's scary to me. Because <laughs> he said tag. It's like, well, there's at least one or two. So it could be two, one of two guys. All right. So not Intercontinental Champion, former Tag Team Champion. Did they wrestle in both WWF and WCW? Yes. All right. Did they tag with Ron Simmons? Hmm. If you have to look, I'm going to say it's not who I was originally thinking. Be wild. <laughs> no. Okay. In both W's, former tag team champion, never WWF or WCW champ. Are they predominantly a blonde-haired wrestler? All right, so that's not who I'm thinking of there. <laughs> Is he blonde? <laughs> I would go with no. <laughs> but I don't think I don't think anybody would think of that way. No. I'm gonna go with no. Yeah. Okay. He's kind of my fact checker. That's kind of why I told him who. It was. Oh yeah. Because yeah. there are not questions like that that well, I'm like, like mm, just yeah. Because it was it, what we're doing. People is, who are jumping in my head or yeah. trying to figure out interesting ways to we're, ask. We're kind of about doing uh, like wrestler guess who, which would be <laughs> a really fun game that somebody should make. At least do the animations cards or the cards with the illustrations, and you can swap them out. Yeah. That would be really fucking awesome. We should do that and sell it. Were they ever part of the Four Horsemen? No. Okay. These are good questions, Shane. I'm trying to think of former tag team champions that have wrestled in both. Have they ever been television champion? No. Okay. Did they have multiple gimmicks? No. Okay. So I know it's not Steamboat. I know it's not Savage. I know it's not Hogan. I know it's not Flair. I know it's not Luger. I know it's not Sting. Tag team wrestlers, tag team wrestlers, tag team wrestlers. Did they ever main event a pay-per-view? I would say yes. Yes, yes, they have. Okay. Face paint? Yes. Wrestled in Japan? Yes. Okay. You're five points left. How do I ask this question, or do I just guess? I'm just going to guess. Are you animal? No. Nah. Smash. No. Okay. Who the hell else the face paint? Um, wrestled in both Dice and WWF. Wrestled in Japan. I mean, I'll say Hawk just because. Hawk is correct. Was it? And see, I was thinking Hawk was blonde, but is he redhead? That's, 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 that's where I'm going. That's, like, that's why like, I asked. It's like, well, they're basically bald. Strawberry blonde. Oh. Strawberry blonde. It's yeah. That's yeah. That's where it gets weird. Cause I'm like, Ugh. yeah. That's why I jumped straight to animal. Cause I'm like, well, no, he's not blonde. Cause we went with that picture. and We were like, is he blonde? Like, it's like they, you think of them as just bald. I just guys. think of them as bald. Yeah. Basically, I mean, I know. Yeah, Cause he's got the. But I would never go. Oh, a bald guy is hawk. Yeah. I would never think that. So. Cool. Sorry if that led you down hey. an incorrect path. It's all good. This was a whole new style, and I got it before I had to be given the answer. I knew where it was. Yeah, the hair's so short. After, where it's like, after oh, the... It's like in that photo, it's, the main it's event totally blonde, but that photo is obviously doctored as well. <laughs> well, whenever you've got to... You got tag team champions, and then you were like, 
They both worked in yeah. WWF and, and it's WCW. Like, oh, it's like a, even if it yeah. is blonde, it's like dirty blonde. <laughs> I was like, oh, you, because like to me, there's only like six guys that have done that. And then you kept going, and I'm just like, I, I would like make a guess. Because <laughs> I mean, once you because then you did the Horseman, so yeah. that knocked two of them out. So I was like, literally, that yeah, leaves you. That leaves you with the Nasty yeah. Boys, the Road Warriors, and. Uh, I guess a lot of the time, see, their hair is like dyed specifying black. on the the timeline though. When I was saying WCW, WWF, you know, like could have been true. Brian Pillman because he worked for WWF a yeah. few years later. That's true. Because he was one that I was thinking at first, and that's. And when then, you like when you said headline, it's like yeah, they probably headlined a bunch when you of were shows about the. Uh, the blonde hair, then I started thinking, okay, well, maybe it's Arn, because his hair is kind of brownish. He was never the world champ. Yeah, he, he, he did work. Tag he did, champ he did both. Yeah, that was the one. This, uh, the I was worried that whenever I answered busters. that it wasn't blonde, I was like, am I, am I leading down the wrong path of this one? So. It's just, I yeah. just had to think of more questions to get. After looking was, at that was only... about 20 photos, I wouldn't call either of those men blonde. Yeah. So just in the photos that. I, yeah, I asked up, so. Blonde at question 12, and once I asked Main Event Pay-Per-View, that was question 8. Which, that was Great American Bash 87, because yeah. he was in the War Games match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, see, like I, a, was, I wasn't even thinking of that one. I was thinking of the scaffolding match with him and Dusty Rhodes. Who the hell was in that one? Well, the famous... The Road Warriors and... There's a few scaffold matches. The famous scaffold match is like the... It, wasn't the, it wasn't the main event, though. No, it wasn't. It's just on the cover of the yeah. box. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was only four questions before, and by the time I got to main event of pay-per-view, that's when I thought of the Road Warriors. Hey, I'll take three points. I'm okay with that. Oh, yeah, you're way ahead. <laughs> There's no way I'm getting it that puts in, me fucking, in, the triple digits in two somewhere. guesses, so you're good, buddy. Next week... Triple A when worlds collide. We're uh, not quite going to Mexico. No. Nope, just headed to LA. As God, the, thank God it's not Philly. It's, it's the first non American promotion to have a pay per view in America. Yeah, mm. and we haven't partied in California very much, so no. that's nice. Are we looking forward to that? Yeah, little, yeah, little of different, course. little different style? Of course we are. Some Lucha Libre? Hell yeah. Absolutely. A little Lucha Libre, a little non-Philly food or beverage. It should be easier and hopefully a little more and you know, refreshing selections. You know you're going to have a hot crowd with a Hispanic crowd. Sure. Always. Bust out your bullhorns, boys. <laughs> We're going to Mexico. We're going to LA. Yeah. <laughs> Music from this week's show is Thunder Kiss 65 by five, White Zombie. Five, five. Yeah. Yeah. And Benoit's music in ECW was Back in the Saddle by Back Aerosmith. Saddle. That's, wow. that's a really good song. That's like Pump, right? Yeah, yeah. that's a good one. <laughs> if you like this episode or any of our other ones, please go out there, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, recipes... You can always hit us up on our email at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Slide on into our DMs. Laters.